Well, today we're concluding our series entitled Jesus Loves Us, and we're going to look at spiritual and mental health through the life of Jesus. I believe that in the time that we live in, we need the love of Jesus even more, because not only does the love of Jesus change our life and our heart, but he intends for us to be conduits of his love into the world. I want to invite you today to allow God's love to inhabit your heart and allow God's love to flow through you as you speak to people on the job and at home and when you're, when you're with your coworkers and when you're out to eat and when you're sitting and there's a server that comes up, be kind to them. Allow God's love to flow through you. I've discovered that anything you need in life can be found in the person of Jesus Christ. And if you are here and you need God's peace and, your, and God's hope in your life, I want you to lean into Jesus today. He has something he wants to speak to us about spiritual and mental health. I think if we're honest, many of us, we think that we're doing okay in our own mind and heart, but when we look at the relationships around us, some of us would say that those relationships are fractured or strained or there's difficulty. Well, today I wanna to speak on a topic that I think will be of help to you. And it's the topic of forgiveness. If you want spiritual, mental, emotional, and relational help, forgiveness is a key element of experiencing that. In fact, I've titled today's message, Forgive and Get Free. Say it with me. Forgive and get free. If you want to get free in your life and in your relationships and experience the peace of God, be willing to forgive. Because forgiveness is what sets us free. Before we keep the conversation going, I wanna explain to you what forgiveness actually is. Forgiveness is both a cognitive, mental decision, and it's also an emotional experience. It's a cognitive decision and an emotional experience. For you see, in order for us to forgive, we have to choose to forgive in our mind, and then we have to choose to let go of the negative emotions in our heart. I think many of us, we have not experienced full forgiveness with someone else because we've forgiven once and our feelings are still there. The feelings of hurt and pain and disappointment and frustration. But what I wanna do, uh, reassure you is that if you keep forgiving, if you continue to choose to forgive, eventually your feelings will catch up. Sometimes you have to obey your way into better feelings. And so I wanna encourage you, keep forgiving, keep forgiving, keep forgiving, and eventually your feelings will catch up. Someone once said that forgiveness is an active process where we make a conscious decision to let go of negative feelings, whether the person deserves it or not. I think this is another sticking point when it comes to forgiveness, is that we think that we should offer forgiveness when it feels good to us, or we need to offer forgiveness when the other person deserves it. I want you to take a step back and look at the life of Jesus. When Jesus went to the cross to forgive us, did we deserve forgiveness? No. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ did what? He died for us. We need to forgive, irrespective of what our feelings are, irrespective of what the person has done. Why? Because forgiveness isn't for them, it's for you. 
But say it again. Forgiveness isn't for them. It is for you. And you deserve to be free. If you want to be free today and free indeed, be willing to forgive and ask God to help you today. Say, Jesus, I know that you forgave me. Help me forgive someone else. Here's what I believe. Forgiven people forgive people. Yeah. Forgiven people forgive people. Often what happens is somebody does something, and yes, it's a big deal, but it's only one moment in time. And we have a hard time forgiving them for that one thing, even though it's significant and even though it really hurt. But we fail to realize the full scope of our sin and what it did to Jesus because it was our sin that sent him to the cross. Now, he did choose to go to the cross, but in going to the cross, he extended forgiveness to us, and he's inviting us to extend forgiveness to those who need to be forgiven. In fact, God commands us to forgive. How many of you remember the Lord's Prayer? I know many of us, we know it. In verse 12 of Matthew 6, this is what Jesus says. And forgive us our debts. One translation says trespasses. When we cross over, we cross a boundary. As we have also forgiven our debtors. Jesus is saying, we need to come to him and say, God, forgive me for my sin because I've already forgiven other people. If you want to experience freedom, let's follow the voice of Jesus who says, be willing to forgive so that you and I, we can get free. I know forgiveness is hard. I know it tastes like vinegar in your mouth. But the momentary pain of asking forgiveness and making amends with someone that you've hurt, the temporary pain is worth the lifetime of freedom. The temporary pain is worth the lifetime of freedom. And we need to think about it in terms of that. Is you and I, we deserve to be free. And God has given us the keys of freedom and it's called forgiveness. But I want to tell you two things that forgiveness is not. Number one, forgiveness doesn't mean we must forget or excuse the harm people have done to us. You've heard people say forgive and forget. That's talking about forgetting emotionally. But I think it's important for us to remember what happened, especially if that person was unhealthy and they continue to be unhealthy. We need to remember so that we don't hurt ourselves again. We can set limits and boundaries that benefit us, but not to hurt someone else. Limits and boundaries aren't about the other person, it's about you protecting you, you guarding you, you setting limits to protect you. And forgiveness doesn't mean we must make up with the person who caused harm. Even though God commands us to forgive, he doesn't tell us we need to trust. Forgiveness and trust are two things, two separate things. They're related, but they're different. Forgiveness is a command, and trust is a two-way street. Forgiveness is a command of God and trust is a two-way street. Think about this. Jesus, when he was on the cross, he forgives the Pharisees, but does he trust them? Does Jesus hang out with the Pharisees and do life with them? No. Why? Because he didn't trust them. The Bible says that there were religious leaders around him, but he didn't entrust himself to them because they weren't healthy. They were toxic. We can forgive without re-engaging in a trusting, close relationship. Sometimes we have to love people from afar. I know it's hard, and I know that's a tension, 
But the only way that we can truly love people from afar is if we choose to forgive. We must choose to forgive. Well, today I want to invite us to join. I want to invite you to join me in Luke 23. We're going to look at a very important moment in the life of Jesus. This is the most significant moment in his life. He's headed to the cross. And I want to put this in your mind. I want you to pay close attention to how Jesus responds while he's dying on the cross, while he's facing the most unimaginable pain in his life. Listen to the conscientiousness of Jesus and his willingness to forgive, to give people freedom. Luke 23, verses 32 and following. Open up your Bible. Open up your Westover app just as a pause. There are notes on the Westover app that you can share with other people. You can also take your own notes. I just encourage you to take notes today, whether it's in the app or on another note page, because I believe that something that's said here today will help you either today or in the future with another relationship, because guess what? In life, people pain is gonna show up, and we need a blueprint for how to deal with people pain. Verse 32 and following. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Let me just say this. I think it's fitting that Jesus was crucified at a place called the place of the skull because he wants to give us freedom in our mind and peace in our mind today. The way we do that is through forgiveness. Let's continue. Jesus said, listen to this. This is profound. In the moment of abject pain, listen to what he says. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. Look at the people, they're throwing shade at Jesus. They're sneering and criticizing him. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus extended forgiveness to this man. He extended it to humanity and he extended it to this man as well. Today we can get free. I want to share with you really quickly a couple ways to forgive and get free. The first way, number one, is to focus on Jesus, not critics. Say it with me. Focus on Jesus, not critics. Our brain is hardwired to focus on negative responses. Why? You may be wondering. Why is it why do our eyes and our ears always pay attention to negative information? Because our brain is wired to interpret that information to protect us. When someone says, hey, don't eat those berries or those mushrooms, we pay attention to that. Why? Because it keeps us safe. <clears throat> Unfortunately, we live in a world that's full of negative stimulus all the time. And many of us, what we do is we have an unhealthy diet of a lot of toxic criticism. You see it in the news. You see it on social media. You see it everywhere. People are living a life 
eating and consuming criticism. What happens is that poisons our mind, it poisons our heart, it impacts our spiritual health and our mental health. So today, what are you focusing on? Are you focusing on the critics and their criticism, or are you focusing on Jesus? Jesus taught the criminal how to pay attention to God. When, when these criticisms were coming his way, Jesus never addressed them. In fact, what he said is, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And that same criminal, one of the criminals was listening, and he actually takes a step and follows Jesus' example. Verse 35 and following says this, they stood up watching and they even sneered at him. They came up and they mocked him. One of the criminals hurled insults at him, but the other criminals said, Jesus, remember me. In life, we need to focus more on Jesus than just our critics. You know, being a believer, you're gonna face criticism. You're gonna be insulted for following Jesus. And what we have to do is we have to ignore that. Not ignore people, but ignore the criticism and focus on Jesus. It's what's gonna keep our heart protected. Just because they said it to you doesn't mean it needs to get in you. Just because they said it to you doesn't mean it needs to get in you. So how do you make sure that that happens? How do you make sure that it doesn't get in your heart? Well, I'm glad you're asking. I wanna encourage you to be like a duck. Be like a duck. Why a duck? Because a duck is waterproof and water rolls off of its back. Okay, follow me, follow me. A duck, what it does to stay waterproof is it puts oil on its feathers. That's why it's waterproof. The duck knows that if it wants to float, it has to stay waterproof. In fact, some of us, we need to take Taylor Swift's advice and just shake it off. When people throw criticism at you, just shake it off and keep going. But there's a spiritual principle in the life of the duck that we can learn. The duck is anointed. Because it's anointed, it's waterproof. When we get close to Jesus, we allow him to anoint us and we are criticism proof. Not about you, but I want to be criticism proof. And the way that we do that is by getting close to Jesus and allowing him to put his anointing upon us, his Holy Spirit. And what we'll discover is that anointing will protect us from the criticism of the world and the criticism of the enemy. Get waterproof. In fact, King David said this in Psalm 23, verse five. This is the, our Lord is our shepherd passage. He says this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. The reason why David could be in the presence of his enemies is because he had been anointed by God. If you wanna step out into the world and survive and thrive, allow the anointing of God to be upon you. Jesus didn't lose his anointing when he was on the cross because he stayed close to the Father. And if we stay close to Jesus, we're gonna to continue to stay anointed. The second way to get free is simply this. Forgive first and apologize often. Say it with me. Forgive first and apologize often. We need to forgive first. Jesus chose to forgive first, is what it says in verse 34. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Scholars, their commentary is simply this, that Jesus was forgiving the religious leaders and the Roman soldiers who crucified him. But I also believe that God's word is timeless for us today. He was not only forgiving them then, but he's forgiving us now. He's saying, Father, forgive them. 
for they don't know that their sin is what put me on the cross. Jesus chose to forgive first. We need to do the same. Let me unpack forgiving first really quickly for us to understand how to forgive first. Forgiving others, not wishing for an apology is what actually sets us free. This is why I want us to forgive first. Because forgiving others, not wishing for an apology is what sets us free. Many of us were living our life just hoping that the person who hurt us will ask for forgiveness. Some of us, we have wounds from our past, our childhood, and that person has already passed away. And we're nursing, we're dragging a ball and chain of unforgiveness. Oh, they hurt me. Oh, they're, and you're linked to the past. Forgive and let it go so that you can move forward. Advance in your life. It's time to move forward. And the way you take control of your own freedom is choosing to forgive first. Because when we forgive others, we actually set ourselves free. The truth is, is that you don't have to forgive because you have free will. But I wanna advise you that if you choose not to forgive, it's very expensive. It's very expensive on your life, why? Because choosing to not forgive keeps you in a constant state of fight, flight, or freeze. It keeps you in a constant stress state. And what happens is that stress state, it leads to anxiety, it leads to depression, it leads to insomnia, it leads to gastro. Uh, intestinal issues, it leads to headaches, it leads to a variety of things. It also preserves PTSD in your life. If you continually hold on to the wounds of the past, it keeps you stuck in the past. You may be here today, physically and in time, but many of us were stuck in the past way back then, 10, 20 years ago. Scientists have also found that holding a grudge lowers your life expectancy. There's an adage in the culture, and I want to share it with you. Someone once said, holding on to bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Many of us are sipping on that cup. We're like, oh, man, they hurt me. Oh, they wounded me. And we're hoping, oh, man, I hope, I hope this kills them. Oh, I hope this hurts them. Oh, I hope they know how much they hurt me. And we're sipping on this cup of poison. And God's saying, I want you to throw the cup of poison away. I want you to drink living water. I want you to drink from my word. I want to speak life and hope and truth into you. Many of us are nursing wounds that Jesus went to the cross to heal. He's saying, let it go, forgive and move forward. Forgive and get free. Galatians 5.1 says this, it is, for freeza, it is for freedom that Jesus has set us free. So how do you forgive? You make a conscious decision to forgive in your mind and you continue to forgive until the negative feelings go away. Why? Because what happens is even though we make a conscious decision to forgive, we have to wait for our feelings to catch up. In neuroscience, it's called uh, neuro, neurons that wire together, fire together. What that means is that when we've held on to bitterness or anger about a specific situation, what happens in our brain is there are some ruts that are created neurobiologically, pathways that are constantly, they're constantly renewed and strengthened. That's why when you meditate on God's word, your mind gets better. But when you meditate on what people did to hurt you, that gets stronger. It cuts ruts 
that leads you to the place of bitterness and hurt. So what you have to do is you have to consistently say, I'm not gonna fall into those ruts again. I'm gonna go a different direction. I'm not gonna, come, I'm not gonna talk about that person in that situation the same way. I'm gonna choose to forgive and I'm gonna go a different direction. Eventually what happens is your brain creates new emotional ruts that lead you to a place of life and hope. And we have to choose to forgive. In fact, I think some of us were no more than about three or four weeks away from being completely free from the negativity. Yes, we can forgive and remember so we don't get hurt again, but once we choose to forgive, we actually, we emotionally forget. I don't know about you, but I want all of us to be free from the negative emotions of the things that people did to us. We need to allow God to help us to move forward in life and advance, but we have to choose to forgive. We have to also choose to apologize often. Apologies are important because it sets the other person free. It closes the loop. Now, an apology isn't saying, I'm sorry, you're complaining about it. It's also, it, uh, an apology also isn't, I'm sorry, you have hurt feelings. For you see, an apology has four components. Number one, admitting you're wrong. Number two, taking ownership. Number three, asking for forgiveness. Number four, committing to change. Admitting you're wrong, taking ownership, asking for forgiveness, and committing to change. It sounds a little like this. In fact, I had the team put this together for us. If you want to take a screenshot of it, it's also in your notes. Say, a genuine apology sounds like this. I'm sorry I hurt you. I was wrong. Please forgive me, and I will change. I'm sorry I hurt you. I was wrong. Please forgive me, and I will change. For you see, a real apology is changed behavior. It's changed behavior. It's what the Bible calls repentance. It's a turning away and a turning towards God. It's a turning away and a turning towards God. It's a turning away from negative behaviors, things that hurt other people, and it's a turning towards God. That's what repentance is all about. That's what changed behavior is all about. And I know some of us are stuck in patterns unhealthy patterns, what we need to do is have God renew our mind and our heart and help us do what's right in advance. We need to ask him to help us repent and move forward. Third and finally, to get free is accept God's forgiveness. Say forgiveness. Accept God's forgiveness. One criminal accepted his forgiveness. It says in verse 42, he said, Jesus, remember, when, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. In order to get free, we must welcome the freedom of God. We must accept it in our own heart. I've been thinking about this moment. Just thinking about, God, what, what are you trying to do in the lives of your people today? And I just believe Jesus is here right now. And he's here to say, going to the cross was worth it. Forgiving you was worth it. Enduring shame and scorn and being beaten and dying. You were worth it. Because I wanted you to experience forgiveness. But because of that, we have the hope of extending forgiveness to someone else. All of us, we need Jesus. We need him to be Savior and Lord of our life. And I want to invite us to stand as I close. Set aside every destruction. And here's what I want us to do. I want to give you a private audience with the Lord. I know some, some of us have never said yes to Jesus. Maybe you're new 
to church. Maybe you're new to faith in Jesus Christ. And today, you're deciding whether you believe in him. I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. He's here and he wants to minister to you. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to all bow our heads and close our eyes. No one looking around. Jesus is here and he's saying, I love you. You're worth it. And I want you to have a relationship with me. I want you to experience my forgiveness. So if you've never said yes to Jesus or maybe you're far away from him, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. You're not becoming a member here at this church. You're just saying yes to God. On the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Yes, yes. Hands front to back, side to side. Yes, the Lord sees you. I want us to say a prayer together. Those of you who raised your hands, but all of us together, I want us to say this from our heart because it's the confession of our heart is how we make him Lord and Savior of our life. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, please forgive me. I need you today. I need you to make me new. I need your love and I need your peace today. I give you my life for all of my life. And now, God, I ask that you'd give me courage to forgive others who have hurt me. Give me the courage to apologize to others, to make it right. Help me today, Jesus. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.